Good morning. Tell you what, I, I, I sit down about five till, and there's three people here, including me, and then five after I turn around, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> uh, I was looking at birthdays here. Uh, Ron Barrons, today's your birthday. <laughs> and Sherry Pullen, I don't see Sherry. Um, and... Jeff, you're having a birthday in about four days, right? All right. When, in Rotary, when it's your birthday, you have to uh, write out a check for the number of years old you are. So, uh, Jeff, if you need me to help you do the math. Okay. Uh, Kay Wishkamper back there had knee surgery and is here in church. All right. Well, uh, blessings upon us all. I, uh, sitting there thinking, I don't know if I really need to preach a sermon or not. I think my sermon pretty much got preached in uh, Chandler's video on helping uh, both locally and in the Ukraine in the children's sermon. But I'll give it a shot. Uh, today, the sermon title is Love. And it's kind of a... Preacher inside joke, I think, uh, that when someone asks you what you're going to preach on uh, Sunday and you have no idea and you're desperate, you say, well, I'm going to preach on love. <laughs> and who can argue with that, right? And Jackie, who picked out this sermon title, probably did it partly for that reason, I think. But um, at the same time, uh, it's not a joke because indeed, the very essence of Christianity is love. So, what's the greatest commandment? Someone asked Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? What, how would you sum up everything? How would you sum up in a few words or a couple of sentences the whole entire Bible, our entire religious history, the cliff notes to Western philosophy one-on-one, the essential existential human predicament, the solution to Einstein's quest for a unified theory. What, what do you say, Jesus? Love God, love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as well as you would love yourself. Sounds sweet, right? How can you argue with that? But many of us do argue with it many times because as you've probably heard people say more than once yeah well Jesus didn't have to live next to God I live next to him, right <laughs> Jesus didn't have my neighbors I've, uh, I've realized lately that I, I'm in a uh, kind of a uh, neighborhood watch program as in one of my neighbors is watching me pretty closely <laughs> A few days ago, uh, my sprinkler system went off on the wrong day, and it wasn't 10 or 15 minutes, it was a knock at the door, and it was somebody from the city, and he gave me the speech and the warning, and I apologize, but uh, somebody called it in, okay? And uh, a, couple, uh, a few months ago, uh, my sprinkler system went off at night, 
and a sprinkler head busted and it was shooting out water and uh, there was a knock on my door 10 o'clock at night and it was the city and somebody had called it in and don't get me wrong I mean I'm all about water conservation and I'm glad someone told me uh, but I really wish my neighbor whoever it is would just knock on my door and say hey your system's busted and I would probably say thank you for letting me know and maybe I would say you want to come in and get a cup of coffee with me maybe we can get to know each other maybe as neighbors we could actually be neighborly when we were living in a previous town uh, our house was literally at the very edge of town and across the small pasture behind our house was a, a neighbor lady and we rarely saw her I mean we would go six months without seeing her but part of her property adjoined ours and there wasn't a fence and if my kids stepped off onto that property she was out there and on them if, if the football accidentally went 10 feet onto her property she was on it she's after a while my kids just let the ball go okay it's gone because uh, they were scared of her. One day I realized a buzzard had died on her property between our houses and the smell was pretty bad. And so I called her and I said, if you give me permission, I'll go onto your property and I'll remove that buzzard. And she said, well, okay, you can do that. But then she started complaining about my kids and then she started complaining about my dogs. And she lit into me about this and that. And I said, okay. And I hung up and I thought, we're just going to have to get used to the smell. <laughs> I'm not helping her. So neither of us were very neighborly on that day. Okay. The third example. Um, from an advice columnist. We'll just we'll just say it's dear Betty, okay? Uh, dear Betty, my wife and I share a driveway with our neighbors. These neighbors are keenly aware that my wife and I do not share their political views. After the election, one of them quit speaking to us or even acknowledging our presence. After a few months, I approached him in the shared driveway and said, Bob, it is obvious you're not speaking to me. If I have offended you, let me know and I will do my best to apologize. His response was, I'll think about it. That was the last I heard for a while, and he continued to shun me. A few months later, he rang my doorbell and asked us to accept his apology, saying, only God can judge. I knew what he meant. Life is short, the neighborhood is small, and neighbors need each other, so my wife and I accepted his apology. Now, months later, he's back to not acknowledging our existence. I see him several times a week. I'm happy to continue turning the other cheek, but with no results so far other than both cheeks getting red. Any suggestions? Free thinker in Texas. I thought, don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back there. Free thinker. Dear free thinker, stop turning any of your cheeks in this neighbor's direction. It's a shame that so many relationships have been destroyed in this country because people are unwilling to talk with or listen to each other. Folks on both sides of the aisle had their reasons for voting the way they did in the last presidential election. Those reasons cannot be understood unless they are calmly discussed. Individuals who are not 
mature enough to discuss their differences are really not worth your time, so ignore what he's doing and go on with your life. And I thought, what? She says that we need to talk to each other, but don't talk to this person. Right? The, the problem is we don't get along, but don't get along with this person. Shun this person. Huh? Now, what do all of these neighbors have in common? All these neighbors are worth dying for. All of these neighbors are worthy of forgiveness. All of these neighbors are worthy of our love, even when they're loveless towards us. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I assume Jesus meant even his neighbors who hung him on a cross. Neighbors turned executioners whom he forgave on that old rugged cross. He would not stop loving even them. Soren Kierkegaard, a 19th century theologian, says that we are called to be followers of Christ, not admirers of Christ. When you're an admirer, um, things can feel fairly optional, right? You sit up in the stands, maybe you admire the coach, maybe you admire the team, but you're not on the team. Huh? When you're an admirer of Christ, then some of the things that Christ say, says can seem fairly optional. But when you follow Christ, you're all the way in. Follow me, says Jesus. Where are we going, Jesus? To the ends of the earth. Follow me. Now, at this point, I could easily finish off this sermon uh, with a rousing, we need to all try harder to be good neighbors. Right? Which means, implies we're not trying hard enough. But I, I want to flip this and approach this from a, a point of grace. Because I've been thinking a lot about that lately. I've been thinking, um, well, I think you would agree with me that in our culture, there's a real lack of grace. Particularly social media. Right? A real lack of grace. If I, you know, I... I don't really say much about anything truly important on social media. You know, I, on Facebook, it's, I'm going to put kittens in pictures of my kids, okay? <laughs> because if I were to say something that I'm really wrestling with, if I were to say, you know, maybe we need to, um, maybe we need to give these immigrants a chance. I uh, suppose that I probably would get some pushback. I would probably get some graceless responses because we're in a, a social media culture about who's right and who's wrong and, and who's worthy and who's unworthy and who, who you need to be outraged at, who you need to be angry with. If I were to go on social media and say maybe instead of uh, petitioning politicians to write restrictive laws for transgender families, and if I said, well, maybe we need to just pause. Maybe we need to knock on their doors. Maybe we need to listen and get to know each other. Maybe we need to search for a little grace. 
I know I would get some pushback and some graceless replies. But if one of you were to take that up, you might end up knocking on my door because my family is a transgender family. I have a relative that years ago he decided to come out and became a sheep. And it scandalized, it outraged our family. And he was shunned and not much grace in our family at all. Right before we moved here, our family went through some things and, and she came to our house and I think she was expecting the same kind of rejection that he was getting from the rest of the family. And I said, I said, I love you. I said, I love you and I'm always going to love you and there's nothing you can do that's going to make me stop loving you. And he stared at me for a minute. She stared at me for a minute and then turned around and walked off. And I told Brenda lately, I said, I don't think anybody in this family said that to her in a long, long time. A little grace. A little grace that changed our relationship. She was here for Thanksgiving. Now, if it sounds like I'm bragging, I'm not. Because first of all, I, uh, I have to ask God to forgive me for my silence. For the years in my family that I said nothing. And I have to practice what I preach. You've probably heard me say before that I didn't enter the ministry because I was such a good Christian. I think God put me in the ministry because I was such a bad lay person. That I needed this, this imposed structure to force me to do what maybe I would rather just stand to the side and be silent about. Tell one more story that sounds like I'm probably bragging. But my point is just the opposite. My point is a little changes someone's lives. When we were in West Texas, I was on the volunteer fire department, and we got a call that, uh, for a house fire. And no one was home, so it was already burning quite a bit before anybody noticed it. It was about 10 miles out in the country, and the time we got there, it was fully burning from one end to another. There was nothing left. And the family showed up, which was a young single mom and her five-year-old daughter. Nothing. So I went home, and my kids were elementary age at the time, and I went home, and I told them what happened, and, and I said, go upstairs and get some toys, get some good toys. We're going to give that little girl some toys. And so they did, and for years when they would see me they would thank me for that and again I felt helpless what can I do maybe a little thing and that's how that's how the kingdom works right that's how God saves us that's how God works in the world a little bit of grace a little bit of neighborhood Dear Betty, dear Apostle Paul, I need some advice. What do you think? 
what should I do? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk that away in the life you once lived. And now you have to rid yourselves of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of Christ. Clothe yourselves with humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And on all of these virtues, put on love. Now here's the thing. The Apostle Paul would have been the worst neighbor you ever had. (laughs) He was rigid. He was black and white. He was judgmental. He persecuted Christians. He was hateful. He was none of these things. Until he encountered the living Christ. And the church took him in. The very church he hated took him in, baptized him, and said, now you're family. And we're never going to give up on you. We're never going to stop loving. You know, worship is really just saying thank you. That's what worship is. So I want you to just think for a moment. Close your eyes if necessary. Think of some person who extended you, maybe in their eyes, a little bit of grace. But it was a game changer for you. Maybe a parent, a grandparent, maybe a coach, maybe a teacher, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend that just wouldn't give up on you. Maybe in that horrible, terrible time, someone stood with you. Someone got down on the field to play the game and not just staying up in the stands. Someone for whom a little grace changed so much. And now imagine Jesus standing before you. And you say, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus says, oh yeah, I sent that person. Now come on, follow me. Amen.